0: This is Carl Hughes with Town Square Media, your host for Issues and Answers. Issues and Answers is a public affairs program for Western Colorado. Residents and members of our community tell us what concerns they have, and from that feedback, we identify significant issues to include in our weekly program. Today, my guest is Emily Shockley, School District 51, Public Information Specialist. And today we'll be discussing all things School District 51, the new Grand Junction High School, the new superintendent, the Lunch Lizard program, and more. Emily, welcome to Issues and Answers. All right. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start out with, we talked about all about School District 51. We'll actually start out with all about Emily. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with uh, Mesa County School District 51.
1: Great. Well, I've been with School District 51 for seven years now. Uh, before that, I was with the Grand Junction Free Press and the Grand Junction Daily Sentinel. So I've been in town for a total of 16 years and talking about the school district the entire time. So uh, it's just kind of a natural progression to, to go from talking about them on one side to talking about them on the others.
0: Sounds (laughs) interesting because that's got to be a little bit of a dichotomy. Instead of being the one asking the questions, you're now the one being asked the questions. And I would suspect that's a whole different set of uh, information and data that you have to have at hand for when people are asking you questions and trying to find out about issues and things that are going on in the school district.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of spinning plates.
0: (laughs) For those who have never watched the Ed Sullivan Show, you won't get that, but... (laughs) I grabbed that reference. Now, one of the things that I've either read or heard, and I guess it made sense, but kind of impressed me, is that the Mesa County School District is actually the largest employer in Mesa County. Is that true? That is
1: true. We are the largest employer in Mesa County and also the largest employer between the Salt Lake area and the Denver area outside of ski season. During ski season, they kind of kind of get past us.
0: (laughs) Yes, but we're year well, even with the summers off, you're still paying a lot of your employees, so Mm -hmm. you are a year-round employer.
1: Yeah, about 10% of our employees are actually year-round.
0: Uh, and then do you have summer employees that come in for like maintenance to help out with painting and stuff, or you don't hire seasonal workers?
1: Yeah, we do have some seasonal workers, um just kind of depending on the work that needs to be done. But basically, our grounds crew and our maintenance crew that's there all year is really ramping up right now and making sure that the schools look nice and kind of getting the dirty work done while the kids aren't there. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of people that are, continuing to work on things. HR is working on teacher transcripts right now, and they're hiring a, a lot of people right now. Um, there's always room for more. So if people want to come apply, uh, definitely check out our website and ch- click on track and check that out.
0: So the, the main website address is?
1: It's d 5 schoolsorg And then if you look uh, in the job opening section, then you'll, you'll see where you can spot all the jobs that are open.
0: And you may or may not know this because you're not working directly in HR. So many employers across the country and down to Mesa County are struggling with finding enough staffing. Is the school district experiencing that same issue?
1: Yeah, we're definitely not immune to that trend, um, especially as the largest employer. We're always hiring so there's really not a time where there's just every single job is filled and everything's going great and we don't need anybody we always need more people so definitely check out those jobs see if there's something that fits your expertise and we'd be glad to interview you
0: that's a wise thing for anybody who's looking for a stable solid employer with great benefits visit the website there my mother was a high school teacher in Delta County, and oh, nice. so she got the same vacations as us, so it is wonderful. Also the worst class I ever took. No. <laughs> So we have a new superintendent, uh, Diana Serco, who had been brought in as a temporary fill-in, and then the school board asked her to stay around to help kind of get things leveled out. She just retired, and we have a new superintendent, Dr. Brian Hill. So if you could kind of bring us up to speed on all about Dr. Brian Hill.
1: Yeah, so Diana Serco spent 47 years in public education, and she'll actually be retiring this month. And she spent about four years with us. And as you said, she came in as a temporary employee. And then we liked her so much, we just said, please stick around. (laughs) So the board hired her on for a regular contract. Uh, And now she is going to enjoy life with her grandkids and her husband and just try to enjoy some time during the school year to to settle down and and just watch them play sports. (laughs)
0: And is she moving back to her home, or is she staying here in Grand Junction, do we know?
1: She's going to keep her home here in the Grand Valley, but she also has a small home in Florida, so it sounds like they're going to kind of be snowbirds.
0: She has earned the right to have that fun time.
1: Yeah. So Brian Hill actually came to us in 2019, and he came from Austin, Texas, worked in their school district down there, which is about 80,000 students. So definitely coming to a smaller system. Um, but he has just kind of hit the ground running and been a great assistant soup. And the board saw that in him and decided he'd be the best candidate to hire as the next superintendent.
0: And from reading a little bit on his bio, He didn't just go out and get his doctorate and then enter into administration. He's actually worked in pretty much all of the professional areas of public schools. Is that right?
1: That's correct. Yeah, just like Dr. Circo, he started off as a teacher and then worked his way up. And uh, we found that that is something that a lot of teachers want is a superintendent who has been in their shoes so that they can say, this person understands me and where I'm coming from.
0: Now, the superintendent's role is basically the CEO of the school district. Would that be a fair assessment? That's a pretty fair comparison. Yeah, yeah. he's involved in budgeting, which, of course, the school board is deeply involved in, um, in many of the things, including the strategic plan, which we'll talk about here. Um, and kind of just oversees the operations, HR, everything to do with the school district. Is that
1: right? He is just kind of the grand poobah. So he is over the chief academic officer, the chief operations officer, the chief financial officer, um, just kind of all the departments funnel out under him. Um, There's definitely some parts that he would concentrate on more than others as a direct supervisor. But basically anything that's going on in the district, that's something that he's monitoring.
0: Well, and I think a lot of us... You know, we think of the school and we probably think of the one building that our children went through and we were the PTA parents of and we moved on up. But the school district is a large corporate business without being that because they are a government entity. But it is. It's got a large budget. It's got a large payroll. It has to run and function pretty efficiently. And so it's important to have somebody smart and good as the leader of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's segue then into the strategic plan Again, doing a little research, I see that there was just recently adopted a three-year strategic plan. And my assumption is that's done in conjunction with the superintendent's office and with the school board. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah, and we actually started work on that. In February and March of 2020, we started having some community meetings to learn what people wanted and what they saw for our future, Um, and then COVID hit, and we kind of had to hit pause on things for a while. Uh, We brought people back together last fall. We had more listening sessions. Those were on Zoom. We had them in English and in Spanish. We had a group of people come together as a committee, and it was about 50 people that would meet um, on about a monthly basis and um, they just kind of looked at all the data that came from it, all the information, all the things that people said and plucked from that what trends were being seen and then decided some goals based on that. Um, so the school board adopted that this winter and then now we are rolling it out with some goals to meet for the next three years. So we've got goals to meet by June 2023, June 2024 and June 2025.
0: So if we can, if you know, it's something that you think we can cover in this time that we have, I'd be curious about either all of those goals or what some of those goals are.
1: Yeah, so the big things we wanted to focus on were prepared and port- supported students, prepared and supported staff, and engaged and supportive community partners. So kind of hitting the main three audiences. Um, and, and within that, there are these subgroups that we're looking at. So we're looking at student wellness, we're looking at staff wellness, academic success, professional learning for our staff, um, growing pipelines for staff. So that's taking our best teachers and giving them a pathway to be principals, um, and also increasing diversity in the district. I know a lot of districts are really struggling to make the classroom leader match, you know, the students in the classroom. So that's a goal of ours, um, and then looking at robust and aligned options uh, for learning experiences. So that's like making sure that we have a pathway for a student who wants to go be a welder, a pathway for a student who wants to go to Harvard, a pathway for a student who wants to go to the military but maybe earn their associates before they leave, which we have a program for that. Um, it's actually for anybody, whatever what they want to do after school. Um, it's called P-TECH, and it allows students to earn their associates and their high school diploma in tandem, and then they don't have to pay a dime for tuition. Uh, so that's a pretty cool one. Um, and also for the community stuff, we're looking at effective community partnerships to advance strategic goals, transparent and effective resource allocation, and communication and connection with families. Mostly just making sure we're reaching out to all families, uh, regardless of any potential barriers with language or diversity or anything else that might keep them from knowing what's going on in their child school.
0: And I'm curious, um, you you mentioned as some of those sub-goals, student and staff wellness. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to take a wild guess. That's not just physical wellness and that they're good at running around the track in PE and then going to English (laughs) while they're sweating. (laughs) But also their emotional well-being and their mental wellness as well. There's got to be some component for that.
1: Yeah, I think everyone in Mesa County is concerned about mental health and well-being regardless of age. And it's something that we want to address and something that we want to help students with and that we want to help staff with. It's been a rough couple years. Um, Everyone went through some form of trauma, whether it was isolation or um, being sick or having a family member be sick um, or even just watching the news and seeing that there have been school shootings in other towns. It's really hard to process as a staff member or as a student. So to give them that support and help them through it and help them shore up good skills to deal with mental health issues, um, that's definitely a priority because you can't learn if you're
0: not well. And you think about everything that students, you know, even up through the high school age, 2020 on, their world became stay at home, only visit with their friends on the phone or through Skype or whatever the method might be, wear a mask everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's just my advancing age, but I always can look back on my own childhood and school experiences, and it so saddens me that there was so many challenges that these kids now have had to live through pre- and post-pandemic. Yeah, And so, yeah, wonderful for the school district to recognize that and to make the mental health as part of that wellness. I also, and again, maybe it's not a question that's easily answered. You're talking about community partnerships. Mm -hmm. Um, I assume that may mean just those of us out in the members of the community that don't have kids in school anymore, but we can still partner and be a part of things that the school district does.
1: Yeah, it's kind of everybody. So if you're part of a service club, if you're part of um, just a group of people who want to volunteer, um, or if you are maybe a business person in the community, and you want to partner with the schools on trying to find kids a place for a job opportunity or an internship or even just a job shadow to decide if they really like that type of job before they go into college for that type of job, Um, there are all kinds of ways that the community can get involved in
0: schools. Well, in all of these different programs, including the one with the associates and so many other things... What a wonderful evolution of the education model from one, again, due to my advancing age. It's been many years ago, but it was a very regimented, the same thing year in, year out, grade in, grade out, the same exact policies and directions and methods of education and everything else. And it just feels like that's evolved and is now so much more for lack of a better word, user-friendly for the students, that it can be more tailored and personalized and hopefully more effective in the learning process.
1: Yeah. Basically, we want to have a pathway for every student. And there are so many different ways to get there. And we are just introducing programming as it as the need comes along, um, whether it's having students take concurrent enrollment. We had students earn 8,000 college credits last year through concurrent enrollment, and There's also opportunities for students who don't want to go to college. So there are pathways for them to take uh, internships or apprenticeships, um, job shadowing opportunities. And there's just – there's something for everyone. (laughs) And if there isn't something for you, that's our goal is to create something for you.
0: Well, and I love that messaging that college is not always the path that everyone really should pursue. Mm -hmm. Uh, I truly suspect that my plumber actually makes more than my doctor. (laughs) And, you know, it's a needed service. And the trades and those things that are out there, you know, should have the same feeling of validity and value as we give to secondary education. So good for the school district for recognizing that and making that an uh, option for kids out there that are really going to be much more successful in a different path. Yeah.
1: And we have great partnerships with Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College to – help funnel students to those classes, whether they're taking it as concurrent enrollment or doing, as I said, the P-TECH program, where maybe you're earning your whole associate's degree from one of those
0: schools. For those who might be just joining us, my name is Carl Hughes. I'm your host for Issues and Answers. Today, we are visiting with Emily Shockley, the School District 51 Public Information Specialist. We're learning all about changes in the leadership um, through the superintendent's office Uh, We're going to be discussing, coming up now, Grand Junction High School and a few other things. And we're learning how you can both find employment and find out more about what Mesa County School District 51 is doing through um, their website. So we'll get on to some of those things. Let's move now to the new Grand Junction High School. I know in any community, it's sometimes problematic to pass a bond issue um, to help pay for new schools, It's a sad thing that when our kids are gone, we stop worrying about what the current generation is having to deal with. But gratefully, in November, uh, a, a bond issue was passed, and I see there's grants and other funding available. And I saw the picture that the groundbreaking has happened. So tell us what's going to be happening with the new GJHS.
1: Yeah, so June 1st, we had the groundbreaking for the new Grand Junction High School. And if you haven't driven by lately, definitely check it out. There's already dirt being turned. There's already big machinery out there. I mean, they're really getting going. (laughs) Um, So that should be done in about two years. Um, So the plan would be to have a ribbon cutting in the summer of 2024 for the brand new school. We'll, once it's all done, move everything into the new school, and then we can demolish the old school. And then it's kind of like a flip-flop. The fields will then go where the school currently is. Um, And then... We'll open our brand new school for the 2024-25 school year. Uh, class of 2025 will be our first one to graduate out of that new building. They are going to be this coming year's sophomores. So it may sound like a while, but it's it's closer than you think.
0: <laughs> well, and time does fly. The school is being built for potential enrollment gains um, so that it can grow a little bit, or is it going to be about the same capacity as the current school?
1: Yeah, it's built for 1,600 students, but it could fit up to 1,900. Um, right now, enrollment is, we're assuming, down a little bit um, just based on what people are doing a school of choice because the building that we're in right now is not up to snuff. It's enough to have students be still going to school there and still be safe to go to school there, but it doesn't look as nice as some of our other schools, um, and eventually it will be past its valuable life, which um, is why we went for a bond measure and said, this building is, is not going to last much longer. We need to build a new one. Um, and the new one will have a much better foundation, which was our main concern was you can fix it up all you want, but it's still broken you know the foundation was still going to move things around and create cracks and be a problem so the new building will have not these 1950 practices practices but this brand new modern construction technology where you'll have these piles that go all the way down to shale um, instead of just clay soil so they'll be much more structurally sound and it will be one building which you know, school safety-wise is very important because you have one entrance and you have three exits. And that way, you know who's coming in and coming out of the building. Students are much safer that way. Staff are much safer that way. And you don't have all these outbuildings. Like right now, there's, you know, dozens of doors to get in and out of Grand Junction High School. Um, And they have done what they can with safety by locking a lot of those doors um, and having people carry fobs. But still, the ideal is certainly to have one entrance.
0: Well, I would think as you're building a new school, things like Internet cable outlets and being wired for the technology that is currently used Mm -hmm. versus a 1950s, you know, that probably had electricity run by rats in a giant wheel or something. (laughs) You wonder. Yeah. (laughs) So that's got to be a positive thing that you're able to upgrade even the infrastructure that Mm -hmm. supports all of the learning.
1: Yeah, the technology and the tools kids will be using are things that they'll be using in the workforce. So it's going to create a better experience for them. And also, their classes are not going to be separated out the way most schools have them. It's an academy model. So, based on kind of what one of four industries you want to go into, that's kind of the wing where you'll take a lot of your classes. And there'll be career technology rooms and there'll be a media center, which is basically kind of our term for. A library nowadays, but it's so much more than a library. Um, And then there's gyms and a performing arts center for the community to use. So it's not just a building for students, a building for staff. It's a building for everyone.
0: I wonder if while you were preparing for the bond issue and even post the passing of the bond issue, If in the community there is both some nostalgia and I don't want to spend the money feelings about, Mm. I love that old school. It was good for me. You know, it'll still work for everybody else. Did you run into that opposition some?
1: You know, not as much as I thought I would. I think a lot of people just realize the problem and realize that maybe it looked fine in 1960, but the fact that it still looks like it did in 1960, they're kind of realizing something needs to be done.
0: Well, and it sounds like you call it the academy model, Mm-hmm. Instead of having 1,600 kids swap into the building every time they go between periods, having it more organized and right. within those pods and areas of study just seems like a smart idea. Is it the only high school in the area that's doing that?
1: It is currently. I mean, I could see that happening in the future at more schools, but right now, this is the only one
0: that has that plan. Well, that's a real feather in the cap then for parents who well have students at Grand Junction High School is that you have new models of you know learning and actually just physically being within the building so yeah
1: and we think it'll attract more students I think some students who do school of choice to go to other parts of the valley will instead go to their neighborhood school which is Junction High um, and we'll have students from other parts of the valley who want to go there too Um, everyone kind of has their niche I mean Fruita has their niche and Junction has their niche and Palisade and Central. So there's there's a school that's right for everyone.
0: That's going to be pretty exciting moving forward. And it's going to be interesting watching. We're just a block here at the Town Square Studios. We're just a block west of that. And every time I leave, I'll look over to see what might have changed. Yeah, Parking going to be about the same size? Uh,
1: there'll be a little bit more. Um, it'll just kind of be in a different spot. Um, so there'll be more that's kind of towards that Fifth Street side. Um, The part that's kind of grass now um, will be expanded out. And then the sports fields will kind of go around that area.
0: It's going to be one of those great posts our DJs can do about the before and the after. Yeah. Like a Google Earth shot or something of that. Um, So you expect about the same enrollment for students. So staffing for the teachers and support staff all should stay about the same with the new school?
1: Yeah, it'll kind of depend on what we end up with. So. You know, like I said, if we get a bunch of people who are like, oh, new school, let's go, then we might have to adjust the staffing. Right. A bit.
0: But you can flex with enrollment and oh, yeah. go from there. Well, is there any information about the new GJHS on your website or in your yeah. newsletters? How can people find out more about that specific project?
1: Yeah, if you go to d51schools.org, there's this part at the top, um, not the the tab at the top, but there's an area where there's these six buttons you can click on. They're all blue, they're all circles. And one of those buttons is for the 2021 bond measure. And it also has information about our 2017 bond measure. So while you're there, you can see how we spent our last bond dollars. Um, And that is all broken down by like which school got which thing and how much was spent each school year on that. So it's very comprehensive. We'll definitely have spending information up there about Junction. It'll look a little different just because the other one was separated out by school and we don't need that with this one because it's just one school, one project. Um, But we'll definitely keep posting on there. There's information about the construction timeline, information about where the money's coming from, information about what the new school will look like. There's pictures people can look at. So it's definitely a place people should check
0: out. That's pretty exciting. The other thing I thought I would just mention is a personal observation. I know transparency is best practices for a public school district, but your website is very transparent and very, very accessible to find out what's going on, to look at budget numbers to find out more about the strategic plan. So for what it's worth, kudos to the school district for a, a, an easy-to-navigate and very transparent and easy-to-use website. Thank you. We
1: don't always get that compliment. So actually we are working on a new website look to even make it even easier to navigate. So that should roll out probably sometime this fall.
0: And maybe we could wrap this up talking about a great program that I'd heard about a year or two ago but really had never known existed hmm. but is such a blessing for the Valley. It's called the Lunch Lizard Summer Meal Program. Now, tell us a little bit about that, and is it something that is only during the summer?
1: Yeah, technically it's only in the summer. Um, The Lunch Lizard is awesome. It started eight summers ago, if you can believe it's been that long. Um, And it has two trucks right now in the fleet that do different routes. One goes to Grand Junction and Orchard Mesa, and one goes to Clifton. And the stops are based on who has the highest need. So we don't get to every community. We don't get to Palisade or Fruita. Um, unfortunately, we'd love to get everywhere, but we just don't have enough trucks. Um, and also the USDA has some guidelines about where we can go. Um, you have to have a pretty high rate of free and reduced lunch qualifying students during the school year in order to go to that area. Um, And so we just try to hit the neighborhoods who are the most in need um, and get to those neighborhoods first. Um, We also have some school sites, um, so people can also go get some food at the school, um, and those will be running, a lot of them, just through the end of June because they're there because of um, summer school. So um, it does, the Lunch lizard Truck does run, Um, to our schools that don't have kitchens or cafeterias like R5 during the school year. But otherwise, uh, the fleet is just kind of quiet during the rest of the school year.
0: Well, and what an amazing thing for families that are struggling and kids that need nutrition and need to eat Mm -hmm. to have this access. And it's kind of a fun looking van. It looks like a you know, a a fun program to, you'd be happy to be a part of. I I noticed off of one of your newsletters with uh the, information about the Lunch Lizard program. You mentioned community partners. So are mm-hmm. there businesses that are a part of this or what are who are your community partners?
1: Yeah. Honestly, we would not have been able to get this off the ground with our partners, um, especially the Western Colorado Community Foundation. They've been a big part of this all along. They're actually running a campaign to hopefully get us a new Lunch Lizard food truck because um, we've already replaced one with their help and we'd like to replace the other just because they're, they're getting really old and it's hard to keep a food truck running and make sure it's air conditioned for the people working in there um, and make sure that it's just still able to keep the food um, the way it needs to be in order to serve it. So, yeah, without our partners, we would not, would not have been able to get the trucks to begin with. They are the ones who got us the trucks um, to start off with. And uh, and then we staff the Lunch Lizard uh, food trucks and... Um, Yeah, we also have Food Bank of the Rockies that has helped out and Kids Aid that has helped out. They help with food for the weekends because we run Monday through Thursday. So there are some kids who, you know, Friday through Sunday aren't sure how they're going to eat. So having those community partners come along with us, make sure that they get food all the way through the week.
0: If there are any business people out there listening, is it possible for them to get involved too or to help with donations? Or what else can we in the community do to help support such a great program?
1: Yeah, I know our Nutrition Services Director, Dan Sharp, would definitely take the help. um, But not just during the summer. We need help during the school year too. Honestly, subs for the lunchrooms would be amazing because um, it's been really hard to keep every single – Cafeteria and every single ca- lunch room fully staffed. Um, just in the past couple of years, um, so if you want to be a sub, that's that's a good option. Um, or if you want to come work for us, that's a good option.
0: So let's kind of wrap it up with that. We've already discussed, and I've given my glowing review for the value of the school district fifty one website. But for employment, for information about programs, the New Grand Junction High School, the Lunch Lizard Program, everything is in one location. So give us that website Mm -hmm. again.
1: It's d, as in dog, 51schools.org.
0: And on that, I assume there are multiple ways to contact or phone numbers that are available. So it seems like a one-stop shop for everything to do with the school district.
1: And our main line is 970-254-5100.
0: Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming in. We've had this discussion before we went on the air. I think there are so many other topics that revolve around the school district and how it impacts our community. So we will have you back again, and I thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been Issues and Answers with Town Square Media. If you would like to suggest a topic for our weekly program, simply open our station app and hit the app chat feature to send us a note about an issue you would like to hear discussed on Issues and Answers. You can also reach us by phone by dialing 970-242-7788. I'm Carl Hughes. Join us next week for another round of Issues and Answers with Town Square Media.